Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. Pay for good journalism. Go to The Athletic. Subscribe. All that good stuff. Please rate, review, subscribe, share this show. We do appreciate it as well. Got a big show planned for you guys today. Uh, we'll get to some of the, the roster decisions and debates that are going on, we think, right now inside the walls of the facility. You had an excellent feature story on Mark Borbietsky. We're going to talk about that. We'll take a look at the Central Division. we got a lot of stuff to get to. Power play, penalty kill. Yes, we will mention that at least on the front end. But a large chunk of the conversation today is going to be focused on sort of fan expectation. and You, where this, the listener. <laughs> you, the listener. Where... Where this team is, just nine games in, expectations, fans, who who should be, where they should be directing all of this anger and all that stuff. But, Adam, we must remind people that the gold standard is brought to you by Jasper's, a casual eatery, the next evolution of the sports bar, over on West End, free parking, excellent menu by Deb Paquette. Of course, uh, Jasper's comes to you from a trusted name like Four Top Hospitality that's brought you amazing restaurants for three decades in this city, uh, Amerigo, Achachar, etc., all these great places. Uh, I went on Saturday, Adam. We have a cocktail, the Gold Standard Cocktail, which is a whiskey drink at Jasper's. I sat at the bar with a friend, socially distanced, wearing masks, watched the Predators-Lightnings game on Saturday. Very refreshing cocktail. Had a wonderful evening. Does our fringe element co-host Aaron Dugan listen to our show by chance? <laughs> Um, she's actually extraordinarily jealous. I was going to say, eat your heart out. Ooh. Are you going right at her now with this? Look at my cocktail. <laughs> Look at my cocktail. <laughs> I'm going to make sure she listens now. I don't now. even drink that much. Look at my cocktail. <laughs> you got another one? One more time. Look at my cocktail. <laughs> I'll drink, drink, I drink your milkshake. I was going to say, you reminded me of Daniel Day-Lewis. I yes. drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Um, no, it was a wonderful, it's a wonderful drink. And my friend who was with me, uh, said, you know, he, he goes, man, this is a pretty versatile cocktail. Like you could, I have you, no idea what that means. I, I didn't either until he explained himself when he said, look, you can, you could drink this at a nice dinner where you sit down and you have a date or something. You take your wife, you take your girlfriend, you sit down, you have a nice dinner where it's a little bit, you know, you feel a little bit nicer on a Friday night, or you could pour it into a styrofoam cup and carry it around Broadway before a hockey game. I was like, that's a interesting point. That's a very nice point. Are there it, open container laws on Broadway? Am I unaware of this? So I live downtown. We, we're going to talk hockey here. Uh, and of course, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. But I, I lived downtown right next to Bridgestone for like six years. And I walked. I never understood this. I think there are open container laws. But I walked past cops holding beers all the time. Hmm. I think here's the key. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. Act like you've been there before. Yeah. If I you're mean, acting, that's, that works for everything in life. If you're acting like a complete moron, they're probably going to say something to you. If you're just being a normal human... They're probably going to let you continue on with your normal human behavior. But this is not like New Orleans with your hand grenades and things of that nature. No, I don't think so. So that's why it's in the styrofoam cup. Yes. <laughs> but excellent cocktail. Go to Jasper's. Order yourself a gold standard. Also, by the way, they've got the uh, party pack for the big game, of course, coming up. You can check out the menu. One of the top 10 in the city named by Eater. Uh, fantastic collection of different options you can pick and choose from. You got uh, chicken wings, queso, desserts, charcuterie. Fancy. So basically, you order on Friday what you want, and Jasper's will just put it all together for you. You come and pick it up on Sunday. You bring it home, and they got a party in a box for you, just like that. Do you by they got the party in a box? I was going to ask <laughs> you, but then you ultimately ended up saying it. You know how in commercials that aren't sponsored by the NFL, they can't refer to 
the, this as, is not technically a commercial. So the I can say Super, Super Bowl. Bowl as the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. They have to go the big game. Yes. I thought you were about to do that. When we do our commercial later, later in the show, and I have a question about the Super Bowl. Yes. And how and and party etiquette. I'll have a question for you later. I cannot say Super Bowl at that moment, but I can say it here because this is sort of just like, hey, welcome to the show. Ah. Because we're in the show right now. The NFL, man. They trademarked the crap out of that thing. All right. And good for them. Let's Make talk, that money. Let's talk hockey, Adam. All right? I want to talk about the Super Bowl. We could do that later. No. Let's do that later. Nobody wants to hear my thoughts on the Super Bowl. I will ask you your thoughts on the Super Bowl later in the show. I've got How three words for you. Tom Brady. What's four? I was going to say screw Tom Brady, but then I changed it to Tom Brady. Screw you. There's four. Just pure and utter hatred for Tom Brady? No. I mean, I'm a Packers fan, so I do not like the man right now. Right. Well, All right. Since we last were on the air, Predators won 2-1 in a shootout win over Chicago. They lost 4-3 on Saturday night after falling way behind, and then, of course, 5-2 on Monday night to Tampa Bay to start their swing down in the Sunshine State in pretty ugly fashion against Tampa Bay. Um, That took place. Then they'll play Florida, of course, on Thursday and Friday, and then Monday and Tuesday next week they'll host Tampa Bay. So we'll discuss those four games coming up a little bit later on in the show. Listen, we could discuss the penalty kill and the power play, Adam, but I think we're to the point now, and it's not just one coach, it's not just one season, it's not just one set of players. It may just be one formation, I don't know. But we are at the point now where there is no conversation to be had anymore about this. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask you. I don't know what you're supposed to say back to me about the penalty kill or the power play. I, I don't know. I, the, it's just not a conversation anymore because it's so bad. Yeah, it's not good. Um and we've been talking about how bad the power play is for more than two years now. We're getting close to three years, you know, since the beginning of the eighteen nineteen season, uh, when the Predators had the worst power play in the league, and then went over in six games in the playoffs against the Dallas Stars. It's been that bad for that long. The coaches have changed, the personnel has changed somewhat, the strategies might have changed, but the result remains the same. At some point, there is no logical explanation. And that's where I sort of am right now. Now, of course, if I really wanted to dig into it, I'm sure you could find a logical explanation. I would rather do so many other things that would be more enjoyable than watching Predators power plays over the years. But um, it's bad. Um, No team gets very far with crappy special teams, and the Predators have the worst penalty kill and one of the worst power plays in the NHL this season. They actually are not a bad team five-on-five. The problem is they don't play enough (laughs) five-on-five. If they just... If they just avoided special teams of all kinds for them and against them, they might be in much better shape. Um, but we yeah, because the power play now is a momentum suck. It, it's it's like a if, mo- you're, if they if they have possession, nice strong you know forecheck, pick up a power play, offense comes to a screeching halt. Look, you just said you could dive into it. I, I don't. I, I do you think that people inside that building haven't done that? Like <laughs> you don't think. Peter Laviolette's staff and John Hines' staff and all the other assistant coaches and all the players and the front office and the analytics people. And like, we, it's already been done. <laughs> like, I don't know what else there is to say. I don't, the conversation here is that there's not really any conversation to have, I guess. It just, I, it has to work itself out, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had a response for you, but I don't. It's like Rick Ankiel not being able to throw the ball over the base or whatever. Tiger Woods not being able to chip. I watched the Tiger doc recently. Was Rick and Kill in the Tiger documentary? <laughs> then why did you bring him up first? Because he had the yips. Too. That's like the most famous yips that I can think of of a pitcher. Just then he became a really 
well, I wouldn't say really good outfielder, but he solid. came a solid outfielder, right? That's, that's that's fair. That's true. But like, if you can throw ninety five over the plate for most of your career, your life, and then all of a sudden you just can't. I think Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw it to first base for a little while. There's a blast from the past. There's just you know what I'm saying. Like, there's just things that happen. To How does a second baseman not throw it to first base? Uh, it's very. It's, you, he played second base, right? I'm not yep. making, okay. No, yeah, you're right. That and that's coming from someone who does have has almost zero knowledge of baseball. You picked up on you just dropped two nuggets that Chuck Knobloch was second baseman and that Rick Ankiel transitioned to the outfield. You can thank Ken Griffey Jr.'s Major League Baseball for Nintendo 64 for that one. Listen, I thought it was solid pull by you. That was a great game. Did you play that game? Uh, no, I never had a. Would you say Super Nintendo? N sixty four. I never had you an. Never N64. had a Nintendo sixty four. No, I was a Sega guy. Because uh, I wanted NHL. Was, I wanted NHL ninety four. Sega. I was. I only had one Sega. I had a Game Gear. That was it. That was the only. Sega I wanted I all the EA stuff, and all the EA stuff. It was only on Sega to start. So I am I almost. Sega. I am. In, I'm exclu I'm basically exclusive to Nintendo and PlayStation. Like I've never owned an Xbox. I've never owned I, an Xbox. I never owned a... I own one Sega system. Everything else was either a Nintendo or a PS. That's I have it. a PlayStation 3 upstairs and a single video game. Which one is that? Tiger Woods Golf 2012 because okay. it has Augusta in it. This is our last... We'll get back to hockey in a second. Are you excited <laughs> about the... the we're about to talk about stuff that you're not excited about. About the reintroduction of the NCAA football oh, yeah. series. Yeah. I have I, never played that game. I don't know. I saw you on Twitter. <laughs> I, I didn't want to comment, but... I, here's my thing. I don't think I should go buy it though. Like I don't. If this had been this time last year, then everybody should go buy it, and everybody would have. You know what? We would have flattened the curve better if EA Sports would have come out with their college football video game last year. We would have handled the pandemic better. I'm convinced. But I don't have time for that now. We don't have time for that. No, I can't play video games. I've got to argue about the power play. Much more productive use of your time. If I, I do say so myself. All right. Well, let, let's move on there because I don't. I don't have an answer. I don't think you have an answer. Clearly, no one inside the building has an answer. I'm not sure what people are digging up and digging through to try to find answers about the power play or the penalty kill. It's just not a conversation until something happens. So let's get to the meat of the conversation we want to have today on the show, which is there's a lot of things here. We're going to talk about Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. We can talk about goaltending. We can talk about the coaching staff. There's a lot of different... The front office is, is clearly involved in this as well, Adam. But the the big conversation we need to have is sort of I don't know how to explain this. Is is the fans are the fans' expectations disconnected from reality? Is are they rightly so to be upset because at four and five, I mean this team was in first place on Thursday last week at one point, and they've beaten some bad teams. They are zero and four on the road. They've given up nineteen goals in those four games. I th I believe they've led for less than forty minutes so far in nine games on the entire season. I think they've led for 37 minutes and some change on the yes, for the that, entire season. That sounds correct. So not not great, Dan. So here's like, why are the fans as livid? Like, is it rational to ask the fans why they're so livid? Is it just because they are demanding Stanley Cup level of performance, which probably isn't fair? What what is the crux of the issue with the Predators fans right now and their expectations and their anger and resentment towards the team outside of the team not playing good hockey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a loaded question, and we talked about on this show during the offseason and during training camp about what our expectations were for this team, and we both agreed that they were fairly average. We, imag we imagined they would finish maybe fourth in the Central Division. 
We did not expect this team to compete for a Stanley Cup as constructed. We had all of those expectations. And I think for the most part, the fan base also had those expectations. I don't think there were, I don't think fans were delusional in terms of what they thought this team was going to be this year. But I do have to say, in watching the first nine games of the season, being active on social media during the games, comments on my articles on The Athletic, that the fan anger is perhaps higher than I can remember it in nearly six years of being in town. And it's, it's, I get it in some sense, but I don't get it in another. I get it in the sense that Predators fans, by and large, at least those who are active on social media, Feel like, which may not be an accurate which is not, slice of oh, the entire. Yes, it does not. Population. It does not mean the entire fan base. But if you are active on social media, you are probably the most passionate. True. Those fans believe that they were sold a false bill of goods by this franchise. Yeah. I I think that they feel like, especially especially after they won. Excuse me. After they won the President's Trophy, after they lost to Winnipeg, when David Poyle said we're going to run it back. You think that's where it, tr- it traces all the way back to that? I I do I do think it traces all the way back to that because that was before that was the, the two th- that was the 2017-18 season that was that was spring of 2018 when David Poyle that was the that was the right. year of the Kyle Turris trade that happened in November of 2017. Right. Gotcha. Yep. So from that moment, I, I think hmm. Predators fans feel as if though they were sold a false bill of goods, and they're angry because the Predators are in a position where teams like Chicago, te- at various points, teams like Chicago, teams like Los Angeles, teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Washington, eventually the bill comes due. You you trade future assets for win-now players. You sign those players to big contracts. And you can live with all of that if you win. The Los Angeles Kings for the past three years have been irrelevant, but you know what? They won two Stanley Cups. Yeah. So you can live with the fact that they've sucked for the last few years because you can at least say the things that, if you're a Kings fan, the things that my team did to win a Stanley Cup, yeah, I mean, it does. it's not pretty right now, but but my favorite team worth has two Stanley Cups. Yeah. The Predators are going through the same thing without a championship. So that angers fans, and I get it. You're mad. Even worse, you're disappointed. Sometimes, you know, you're a dad. I'm sure you've said that to your kids <laughs> once or twice. Um, I'm not angry at you, honey. I'm just disappointed. So is this a sign? I, I guess one of my first questions for you is, is this a sign of a hockey market evolving and maturing and and sort of finally understanding what it feels like to actually get to the cup and actually taste what it feels like to play in that in that series? Win a president's trophy. Think that you've got all the pieces to do it, and now you're in a rebuild. Now, I would not, I would argue their rebuild is not as bad as Chicago's or Los Angeles's. To your point, I don't think they're as irrelevant. But who knows how this season's going to end up? Is it a sign of maturation as a market that we are just reaching a point where we? Because we said this on the show, expectations are fourth place in the Central, but but I'm okay with fans demanding excellence even if it's not connected, right? I, I think we no, actually I, talked about no, that. No, for sure. I, I the, the most important thing, if, you're a, if you are the Nashville Predators and you're seeing this, 
if there's anything positive you can take out of it, it's the fact that the fans care. The only thing worse than fan anger is fan apathy. If the fans did not care that this team was bad, then you've got a problem. The fact that fans are angry means that people care. Like that, I mean, right. that that's I, a, I agree. That's a good thing. But this team has to do something to win back a, a section of its fan base. And I don't know what that's going to take. I mean, we were talking about this um, before we started recording. You know, as I've said, I can't believe it's almost been six. It'll be six years six, next month since I moved here. And the fan anger, I said the fan anger in general is worse than it's been since I've been here. In ge- but the when let me rephrase this. When something goes wrong, not just in sports, but in life, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to look for someone to blame, point right? The finger, yeah. You want to point the finger. Yeah. The finger right now is firmly planted at David Poyle. They, he is in the crosshairs of the of the fans I was discussing on social media, active on social media, active in the comments section on the Athletic and other and Reddit and other places. He is firmly in the crosshairs. Reddit's a dangerous place to go. It is a dangerous place to go, especially nowadays. Um, but unless you're looking for some investment tips, right? Exactly. Uh, unfortunately. I didn't get my game stocks. My I didn't get my I didn't get the heads up on the game stock. Yeah, me Imagine if that would have been timed with the the announcement of NCAA football, then you would have been They would have actually believed that there was actually value yes. in, in GameStop being a twenty three million dollar billion dollar company. Oh, but anyway. Anyway. <laughs> there is a there is a growing sentiment among those fans that the only way this franchise can move forward is if they get rid of David Poyle. And Okay, do you do you believe that that is the sentiment across the board? Because or do you think it is just the the? I don't want to call him. I don't want to call him the fringe element here, Adam. But like the the. I mean, that's what that name comes from. Yes. It's just the the fringe people I mean, that are the loudest it, on Twitter. Yes. that have sort of the most extreme ideas. Right, but especially in this environment when we're not around fans, this is what we have to. This yeah. is this is what we have to lean on. And you know, there there I'm sure there are fans. I'm sure. I mean, look, who I mean, who doesn't love David Poyle? He is. A great man. He's done a lot for this city, as well, you know, as well as the organization. But people are, you know, Peter Laviolette was fired. Kyle Turris was bought out. I mean, the the scapegoats continue to. There's the, no more left. The, the goalposts are moving, <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better phrase. I mean, John Hines is getting heat too. There is a lot of which I I will back. I, I think that's ridiculous. There is a lot right of now. John Hines was the wrong hire. He absolutely shouldn't have been hired. Here's the here's the silly thing. There have been fans who have said to me and on social media that the Predators should have hired John Hines as an interim coach. You don't bring in a coach to be an interim coach. You bring someone who's already on staff to be right. an interim coach. If the Predators wanted to have an interim coach last season, they could have promoted Carl Taylor from Milwaukee, for example. Not saying that's that's something they can. I don't know if they considered that, but like that's how an interim coach works. John Hines wouldn't have come for a tryout. He wanted a contract. But the point being is that. There is the like, there are you know, I'm I'm getting a little worked up. Here. Yeah, it's good. This no, is good. but it's I like ju- Adam but it's up. just you like got a good lather going over there. <laughs> Here's what I want to say to Predators fans for this season only. Okay, suck it up. This is what the team is. They may be average. They may be below average. This is a weird ass season. It's 56 games. Coronavirus is everywhere. Trades are hard. You know, trades might be more difficult to make. You know, I, I doubt that they're going to be. No AHL there's no AHL. There's no AHL. 
this this season is going this season might be painful to watch suck it up that doesn't mean that you have to be happy with it that doesn't mean that the team doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the team doesn't have hard decisions to make because they absolutely do but this is a weird season this is a bridge year for this franchise you can be mad you can point fingers but not a lot is going to change in these 56 games so just suck it up deal with it talk to me again in the summertime <laughs> When things might actually ha- might actually change if this team continues to go in the toilet, but but keep sending him uh, messages on Twitter and on and posts. Yes, on his I articles. mean. Uh, uh, so let me ask you a few questions then about this. All right, it is is that level of anger and animosity and resentment? Number one, is it fair to what we've seen on the ice? They they've been bad in those road games against good teams. They've they're also four and five and we're in first place on Thursday. We're nine games in. It's a very short season, but nine games is still just nine games. It's still just three weeks. Is the anger and resentment justified for such a small sample size? John, John Hines, to me, John Hines is the last person you put in line here in front of the firing squad. Because you think about what he's done. He took over a team that was midway through a season. Then he got his team in a season canceled by a pandemic. Then he came back and coached like you know a, a three-game, a four-game, whatever series against Arizona – then you get to start a you start three months later without training camp. Like I don't know how you evaluate John Hines right now. I, I just don't. Like the team you can point to the penalty kill power play and say it sucks. I get all of that. But I don't know how you evaluate him. Do so you know I, how many games, including the postseason, that John Hines is coached in more than a calendar year? Is it, he's at forty one right now. Forty one. Right? He's halfway through a regular season. Twenty eight regular season games. Four postseason games, nine regular season games. And I think he's twenty one, nineteen and one. Yeah, he's average, just like the team. But and I agree. My my point is is that I, how is that an accurate representation of what he's going to be in the future for the next two or three years? I don't I don't think you and, can and know. Maybe, and maybe and look. So I does have, it match? Does the anger match how bad the Preds are? Are the Preds that bad? As I, I as, as my question. They. It's not that they're that bad. It's just they are what. They are to, what use, they are, to, they are. to use the Dennis Green line, they are who we thought they were. Like. This is this is who these predators are. They chose to get tougher this offseason, which means they sacrificed skill. This team is I think fifth from the bottom in scoring. This is what you expected. I mean, look, you were hoping that Matthew Shane and Ryan Johansson would suddenly figure it out? <laughs> like like maybe, no. I was, maybe I was a little guilty of that. I mean, I, you know, I was I was optimistic after what I saw from Ryan Johansson specifically in the summer, albeit in, a, in an extremely small sample size. But like you look at this team and you look at it on paper and nobody would have told you that this team got better in the off season. I mean, maybe at best they made a lateral move. They, they stayed average. They just became tougher instead of focused on skill. But like, I'm just watching, you know, I have not watched. I've watched all nine games, of course, and through nine games, excuse me, I have not seen anything that shocks me about this team. Zero. I agree with that. Like I, they. I, I think I think the the penalty kill is pretty shocking. I mean, the penalty kill was because that pretty, was John Hines' strength in New right. Jersey. I mean, it so. was pretty crappy last year before he got here. He he helped it incrementally. You know, I could see that, and, but, and you got, and you supposedly got tougher with a better third line defense. But that that one's the one that sort of goes. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, but otherwise, I agree. Right. I mean, the power play continues to suck. You know, the team can't score. The team, like, 
this team has been in this city for more than 20 years, and they found two, three, four forwards who can score goals and, you know, with the consistency. <laughs> like, now, you're, now you're going deep cuts I know, here. but like... I, I've only been covering this team for almost six years. No, no, there I've, have been people who've watched this team for two decades. And There's a hockey puck that's, that, that's sitting over your shoulder right there from the first game against Florida. I and, was there. And how many times? I mean, I, I've said they're the only active franchise in the NHL to never have a player score 40 goals for them. And you know what's going to happen? Next year, Seattle's going to draft somebody who scores 40 goals. So it'll be the only franchise out of 32 franchises to never have someone score 40 goals. You're getting, you're getting I, worked up here. I, I just, like, I'm... So, so let me... Okay, follow-up question, then. You can take a deep breath over there. <gasps> In through your nose, out through your mouth. <laughs> um, so, so then, do you think fans just... Their expectations didn't match the rational expectations for the team. Is that the problem then? Is that the fans' expectations were like, did any, like, I'm honestly asking our listeners now, like, did you guys think this team was going to win the division? Like, I don't think anybody thought that. Clearly, you had to know going into the season that the Tampa Bay Lightning were on a different stratosphere than the Nashville Predators. Sure. So when you watch those games over the past couple of days, why are you surprised is what I'm saying. Like, No, I agree. I, that, I'm with you. I so was not like, surprised. So I just don't – like I'm trying – I you know, and people can comment as they listen to this podcast, which they do and I appreciate. As they're listening live, they'll tweet at us and share their thoughts. And I encourage people once once you hear this to, to tweet at me and Braden and, and talk about it. Like – I just hashtag think, talk about hashtag talk about. I think <laughs> talk about your feelings. I just think that the expectations for this team among portions of the fan base is so out of whack. Like, what were you expecting? That's all I'm saying. Okay. Like this team was not supposed to be very good. They're four and five. They're the definition of mediocre. They can't score. They they their power play induces nausea their penalty kill you know induces even more nausea like you need to buy like pepto-bismol actual vomiting you need to buy pepto-bismol extra strength for the penalty kill as opposed to regular pepto-bismol for the power play or whatever whatever but i'm just saying that you have every right to be mad this team was supposed to do more than it has done, and now they're out of that quote-unquote window. I know you don't believe in windows, but they are out of that quote-unquote window, and they haven't won, and there's no clear direction as to where this team's going to go. They have a lot of money tied up into players who aren't earning their salaries, and they there's a lot of term on those contracts. So there's a lot to be unhappy about, but the, like complaining about it this season Nothing's going to change this well, season. Number one, if you're a fan, you always have a right to say whatever you want, right? That's just unfortunately the wor- the way fandom works. So if you're a fan and you pay good money normally to go to games, you have a right to say whatever the hell you want. Now, I think it's okay to put the blame on David Poyle. I think you and I talked about this in the preseason. Two seasons. He has two seasons, and if it doesn't work in two seasons, he's probably done. Now, I also, I also think there will be a time when that legacy gets far – it looks far better, right? Like uh, – in the moment, everybody's legacy is tarnished or looks bad because you made some bad decisions and you need to be moved on and you need to make a change, right? Like in the moment, these guys, it always looks bad. Legacies age well, I guess is what I'm getting yes. to. And David Poyle's legacy will age very well. 
he if he gets pushed out or takes another job inside the organization or whatever and it is no longer the GM making decisions. Eventually we will get to a point as Predators people in this city and we're going to say this guy was spectacular. He was incredible. He was instrumental in keeping the team here, building the team from the beginning and and getting this team to places that it had never been before. That will all be said about David Poyle in time. It's not what how people feel about him right now and and that will change. I'm okay with putting the finger at him. I think the blame goes a little bit more on those contracts you were just talking about. And some of that's Poyle, but some of that is Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg. You know, the best players on this team, while Forsberg is scoring, Arvidsson is sort of still doing his thing. I, I We talked about it in the in, – in, I guess it normally I would say the summer in the offseason, but it was really like November. Uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, I, I, I don't – if you had to circle one or two players – on the team and say, this is the reason they are mediocre or average. I don't know how you don't start with those two guys. I am $16 million. I am reaching. Okay. So here's a stat that I looked up this morning for a future story. And I'm willing to share it now because I like our listeners. They, they're not the problem. So this is a nugget here. This is a nugget. There are four teams in the NHL who pay their top two centers more money per season combined in terms of cap hit than the Nashville Predators pay Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Are you ready? Or would you like to guess? I don't want to guess because I'm going to embarrass myself. Winnipeg. One, one, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews and John Tavares. Two, hold on, the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Three, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Okay. Four, the Washington Capitals, Nicholas Backstrom and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Five, the Nashville Predators, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. One of these things is not like the other. Okay. This is interesting here. Pittsburgh and Washington are not like the others in that they've won championships. Right. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have a combined 42 the, points this season. They're they're a million miles better than the guys here. But to- they also have had some really bad seasons. Yes, but they are incredible Toronto players. underachieving as well. Yes, but I'm talking about I'm, – I'm looking at less about the team play and more about the, the individual, individual player. Okay. Austin Matthews is a star. John Tavares is yes. a legitimate number one center. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid – are perhaps the two most elite forwards in the NHL. No argument here. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Nicholas Backstrom are Hall of Fame players. Evgeny Kuznetsov, Evgeny Kuznetsov played a significant role in the Capitals winning a Stanley Cup. Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, in, by comparison, have done squaddily douche. Wow. That's a nice one. Yes. Squaddily douche. Squaddily like douche. Uh, well. I meant to say squadouche, but I changed it to squaddily douche. Ryan squaddily Duchesne. It, listen, it, it's, <laughs> sorry, it, it is. It's probably rude, but now listen, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. I mean, when you lay it out like that, it's hard to to make the case. I, listen, I Poyle is tied to those two guys, and those two guys are tied to Poyle. And so, if the problem is that they are an average team and they're spending sixteen million dollars on guys that should be far better than average, it's not only just the player's fault, but it's also the guy who decided to pay him his fault as well. And so I'm, I understand the ire of Preds fans being directed where it is. I do not think it should be John Hines. Are you on board with that? Or do you disagree with me? I, I don't think John Hines should be the focus of this because I don't think you can accurately evaluate the job he has done. Having coached 41 games across basically three different seasons already. 
right? Like, so here's with my, three different rosters in three different years, like it's almost impossible to evaluate. This that. is my thing, and we've talked about this. I am no X's and O's expert, so you know, in terms of the the significant changes that were made to John Hines, you know, the system that they play after the coaching change, I can't speak, you know, like an expert when it comes to those. I can speak on general terms, but I can't speak, ex, you know, expertly. I often talk like. There are a lot of fans, like I said, there are a lot of fans who thought he was the wrong hire. My 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 question would be, who would you have preferred at the time? <laughs> like, here are some, I mean, like Gerard Gallant, you know, who had been fired by the Vegas, I think he had by that by that point had been fired by Vegas. I think the argument is in the offseason. P- I know. I don't but, think you can make an argument to hire somebody but other like, than him who, at like, that day. But like, who would have, like, who would have, who would have Predators fans preferred? Would they have preferred Gerard Gallant? Would they have preferred Mike Babcock? Would they have preferred Bruce Boudreaux? Would they have admired someone off the beaten path? Like which? We're like, all just guessing, though. Exactly. So, like, I, I don't know. Media I, too. Media and I fans don't are think, all just guessing. I don't think. I don't think that John. Hines, I, I agree with you that John Hines is not among my chief concerns about this team. He's he's just not. I agree. Like. Ryan Johansson, you know, for me, you know, when it comes to Matthew Shane this season, at he's le- been active. At least you can say exactly. At least you can say he's been active. Ryan Johansson, you cannot say the same thing about. And I think we have reached a, a, a critical moment in the career of Ryan Johansson. I think that if this, if he, if this season goes off the rails, let's 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 rephrase that. If this season plays out the way that last season did. If Ryan Johansson has a, an equivalent season this year to that he did last year over a 56 game season, you know what? I, we've talked about this in other episodes. I, I leave him unprotected in the expansion draft. And I say to Seattle, tell me what you want so that you'll pick him. I get rid of him. Like, I, I think if like I, he's 28 years old. I don't think we, I don't. There's not a. There's not much farther he can go to improve. Like I'm just. I'm just thinking he's. I, we're reaching a critical moment in his career. I think this season was a was a pivotal crossroads type season for Ryan Johansson. And if he plays like he's been playing through nine games, I don't think he should have a place on this team anymore. Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers from the amazing people at Four Top Hospitality who have brought you Amerigo, Etch, etc., Char, Saltine, a trusted name in Nashville cuisine for over three decades, comes the next evolution of the sports bar. You know, Adam, like a place where you can watch sports but have way better food and there's free parking and you can order a cocktail based on this podcast named after Adam Vingan's podcast, The Gold Standard. It's a whiskey drink. It always reminds me of that stupid 90s song. Is that Chumbawamba? You take a whiskey you drink, drink. <laughs> you take a vodka drink, you take a cider drink, tonic drink, you take a cider drink. Is that how I, it goes? I don't like either of those. Tonic's not bad. I don't mind tonic. But I prefer whiskey, so that's why I go to Jasper's to watch the Preds, like I did on Saturday night with my buddies, and I got a whiskey drink with some limoncello, some unsweet tea, some lemon and some orange. It's fantastic. It's delicious. It's light, refreshing. It goes with everything. It's wonderful. I had a meatball gondola. Did you know that? They have a gondola full of meatballs. Excellent salad. That sounds delicious. It's very I, good. I do love meatballs. It's very good. Uh, speaking of meatballs, they've got <laughs> the game. <laughs> they've got the game day party pack this week. They are open 
for the big game on Sunday all day long, extending their happy hour for the entire day. So normally it's like a couple hours, but now you get happy hour for the entire day. If you don't want to go into the restaurant and you want Jaspers to come home with you, they have the big game party pack in which basically you can pick and choose between between like seven or eight or nine items like queso, meatballs, shrimp cocktail, barbecue sliders, chicken wings. You got brownies and cookies. You got little little cookies shaped like footballs, you know, like like in Ace Ventura. You know, little little footballs. They're little footballs. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how many Ace Ventura. You're not an Ace Ventura seen. guy from Ace Ventura One. You I, know when, when the mom cooks cookie makes cookies and walks out and goes, mm, "They're little footballs." What's name the you other know? Ace Ventura movies in the series? Ace Ventura Pet Detective Two. No, they're Ace Ventura. <laughs> Ace Ventura One. This is number one. Oh, anyway, go to Jasper's. Listen, they got wings, they got the queso. That's what we're doing with our kids. Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yes, that's uh, that's the one I that's remember. Chicago, Chicago, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> I have way too much Ace Ventura in my mind. Um, shrimp cocktail, meatballs. Have I mentioned the charcuterie plate? Yes. There's a charcuterie plate. The wife and I have already picked out our selections. So guess what? For the big game on Sunday, you put in your order 48 hours before. Jasper's puts it all together for you, cooks it all up on Sunday. Then you go get it and you bring it home. And there's a party in a box at your house brought to you by Jasper's. It's a party like in that. a box and everyone's invited, except you're except, not invited unless you right. are vaccinated, which not many of us are. So, <laughs> Anyway, the gold standard brought to you by Jasper's. All right, Adam, now that we've vented and ranted enough about Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne um, and and David Poyle and John Hines and fans' expectations, let's take a look at – obviously, there's some big games coming up, so we'll take a look at that. I do want to get into your your article, your feature piece, as they say, in our business about Mark Borowiecki. I thought very well done. If you're looking for some positive vibes, if you're having a negative feeling, a negative week about the Nashville Predators, go read Adam's piece about Burrow Cop. It's a way of life, frankly. It's not just a nickname. It's a way of life. I, I just, the more I ner- know about him and the more I learn about him, the more I like him. So we'll talk about that because we need some positive vibes here on the show. Yes. Coming up a little bit later on. I want to ask you about a couple of roster decisions, though, just in general. Um, Ellie Tolvanen scores a goal in his first game. I, I don't, like, you know, he, he was in the right place at the right time and he put the puck in the right place in the right time. That's a sign that of the things that we know about him, which is that he's a sniper and if he's in the right place, he can score. Uh, he was sent back to the taxi squad already, I believe. So I don't know. A lot of that is salary cap related. Teams can accrue salary cap space by sending guys to and from the taxi squad. If we're going to spend all this time bitching and moaning about all these players that aren't 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 good enough or aren't living up to expectations or whatever, what, why not give Ellie Tolvin some more ice time? Right. I mean, he already has one more goal than Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane combined. Wow. So, I mean, why not? I mean, he's averaging one goal per game. Yeah, he's a goal per game player. <laughs> So with a minimum of one game, but like I mean, I mean honestly, shouldn't they just give him some more ice time? I mean, like, and by the way, Mikhail Granlund, best player on the team right now. Oh, by far. I mean, Mikhail Granlund, he's got a hitch in his giddy up, as the kids say. No, I don't think kids say that. I don't think so. You're pretty good on the kids' lingo, but not. No, that I'm one. not. Yeah, you are. I was watching the weakest link, which that's has been, definitely not hip. <laughs> which has been rebooted um, by uh, by NBC. Is it NBC? I, I mean, don't by know. NBC. Jane Lynch is hosting. I love her. She's um, amazing. And one of the questions was like, when if when when a Gen Zer refers to something as being Hundo P, what does that mean? And I was like, I clearly know it means hundred percent, but I've never once yeah. said Hundo P until just now. Um, I so, guess I guess we have to evolve linguistically as a society, but it feels like we're not. I don't know. I feel like we're going backwards the last few years. Anyway, 
Um, Ellie Tolvanen, Matthew Olivier, Yakov Trenin, Rocco Grimaldi, four healthy scratches for Rocco Grimaldi, one of the more productive players on the team last year. What do you make of those three or four guys, and what what should their roles be on the team moving forward? I mean, I've really liked what I've seen from Matthew Olivier. I mean, I think he has stood out from the beginning of the season, and I know his role isn't as significant as other players, but he does his job, and he does it well. He was also the first player born in Mississippi to score a goal in the NHL the other day, so hotty toddy. There's your fringe element uh, plug. For How this. about Anthony Batetto went to school at Ole Miss, right? That can't be right. Or his brother went to school at Ole Miss. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. He, he, was, a he, big old, he was a big Ole Miss fan. He spent a lot of time in the Grove. As, he, he would not have gone to no, no, you're right. Ole Miss. His brother played football, I think, at Ole Miss, which is why he knew a lot about the Grove. I, I bonded with Anthony Potato uh, early What's on. What's not to like about career. Tony B? I agree. And what's not to like about the Grove? Right. Well, I've never been there. So. <laughs> if you're a professional athlete, it's um, quite a nice place to so, be. So um, I've liked what I've seen from him. I've liked what I've seen from Trennan. Same sort of thing as Olivier. Um, you know, I, I think Rocco got off to a, a rough start, particularly on the defensive side of the puck, uh, which may have led uh, to a string of scratches, but he did get back in the game, second game against Tampa. You know, I, I think Tolvanen deserves a shot. Um, he certainly earned it last night. Um, I think it's time for John Hines to start making some tough decisions. I mean, he, you know, we know he's not afraid of making those tough decisions, but I think like, you know, would he, would he scratch a you know, I think Luke Cunning is hurt, but like, would you scratch, I don't know. Would you scratch a Colton Sissons for a game? See, I don't, to me, it's, you remember early in his tenure as a Predators coach when he, he gave Ryan Johansson, like, it was the night, it was like one of the first games he coached. in Vancouver. And he gave him no ice time. I mean, not no ice time, but you know what I mean, relative to a guy who's your top center. And that that's his method. That was, at the time, what we learned, his methodology for sort of lighting the fire, right? If, if you're going to take away playing time, you know, what better way to get somebody motivated? I, I would lean more that direction as far as just limiting shifts. I think moving Philip Forsberg down the line, he did it on the third period on Monday night against the Lightning. He moved Forsberg down to the line that had Granlin and Duchesne on it. That's a pretty talented trio right there. Yeah. And one thing I would like to clear up um, regarding ice time, because it's sort of my fault. Um, so I had no, <laughs> I noticed, actually it was, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but Robbie Stanley noticed early on on the uh, play-by-play sheet uh, that the NHL you know updates, refreshes over the course of the game, that there was a seven-minute or so stretch at the beginning of the second, excuse me, at the beginning of the third period. Ryan Johansson was not listed on the ice and Victor Arvidsson was also not on the ice for seven minutes. And I, I think he was on the first shift. Victor Arvidsson. Was. Yeah, they both took the first shift and then they, according to that sheet did not play again for seven gotcha. minutes. And, but, and I asked John Hines about it after the game and he seemed caught off guard by it. The reason why is I went back and looked this morning and there was some sort of error in how the shifts were tracked. There gotcha. was no such gap. They, they, they played regular shifts, um, so uh, my bad. Um, but, you know, at least I went back and looked. So they were well, like any good journalist, you're admitting your mistake and issuing a correction. Yes. Yakov Trenin, I think, got some time on the first line when Forsberg dropped down uh, to the second line, I think. I, you know, I don't know if that's something that's sustainable long term. I'd like to see Ellie Tolvin and more. I don't think – like Colton Sissons doesn't seem like the problem to me. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it, Nick Cousins isn't the problem. <laughs> like those guys don't feel like the problem. They feel like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing relative to the expectations of their talent, right? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's about the big guys. So how do you how do you light a fire then? How do you get those guys going? Especially in the first period, they scored two goals in nine games in the first period. They're the worst first period offense in the entire NHL. They've only scored four goals in the second period. Well, what's interesting is it's sort of like so. I wrote a story last week about forward ice time and why Predators, the Predators' top forwards in relation to their counterparts on other teams, don't receive as much ice time. And I mean, to be honest with you, some of those players aren't earning that ice time. Um, it's not. It's not that complicated. But uh, no, it's not that complicated. Um, but I, I'm interested in seeing usage over time. Um, as you said, John Hines is not afraid of limiting the ice time of his top players if they haven't earned the ice time. Uh, so I think that's something you should watch over the course of the next few games. Um, in the games against Chicago, both of which went to overtime, of course, but you know Philip Forsberg was had more than 21 minutes in the game, and Johansson had more than 20 minutes in the game. Um, like I said, some of that had to do with overtime. Um, but I think you should watch ice time over the past the next couple games. See, you know, see who gets what. Here, here's a question: Arvidsson hasn't been the problem either, right? I mean, he's not scoring, but he's. I mean, he's in the same boat as uh, he's in the same boat Duchesne. as Duchesne yeah. in the sense that at least they're creating opportunities. But how then? How do you take? How do you? How do you sort of? I don't know, for lack of a better better term, like punish Ryan Johansson or reprimand him with less ice time. But keep like, are you just going to put Sissons up on the top line as a center, or some, you know, Howla, who's now playing down on the third line? Like, how do you, like, how do you, how do you reprimand Johansson without taking Arvidsson off the ice? I guess. I mean, you can, you can, you can keep Arvidsson on the ice without Johansson. They're not tethered together. No, I know. I just, you know what I'm saying. Right? I know. Yes. Like you're going to go first team, first line, offensive zone, Eric Halla. <laughs> center with Victor Arvidsson. If he's playing well, give it a shot. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I don't. I, we talked about this, and I asked you this in the in, in the preseason many times. Do you split up and drop Forsberg down? And I think John Hines has now done it at least twice, maybe three times on the season to kickstart this team in the third period. So uh, I want to see more of Olivier. I want to see more of Tolbinen. I think that's fair. Fair right now. Anybody else you want to see less ice time, more ice time? Anybody? Before I ask you a goaltending question. No, I think it's about right. The question is, should there be a goaltending question? Ultimately, I, I don't think so because neither of them have played particularly well. Not to say that that's their fault solely, but if you are playing on the team that can't score, you need to have your goaltenders keeping you in games. And you know what? The, they have to an extent. I mean, the Predators at least tried to make it a game against Tampa in both games which they wouldn't have been able to do if, and we're talking about this, and on your background, there's a picture of Finland. Um, so, you know, we're talking about Finnish goaltenders. Turku. Yeah, Turku, Finland. Um, anyway. So here's lovely this time of year. Looks nice. Looks cold. Um, but In Finland? No way. Yes. Um, but both of them need to play better. Um, I don't think there's any controversy here. Um, if the Predators aren't going to score, they need better defense and they need their goaltenders to bail them out. They have in some aspects. They mostly haven't, though. Um, so that's my stance on the goaltending. That was my biggest issue with the second loss to Tampa in general was, you know, if you lose because you gave up five power play goals, at least you know what happened. My issue with the second loss to Tampa was it wasn't good hockey. Five on five, it wasn't good hockey. You're just giving up odd man rushes to Steven Stamkos? What are we doing? Like, <laughs> You're just diving at pucks with seconds left to go in the period. You know, like odd man rushes the entire first period and you're down three nothing against the team that's the defending champs. 
Of course they're going to be up 3 nothing. They don't miss those opportunities. I don't know. End of. I guess that was my rant for the show. There you go. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm with you. I, I still think it's Soros, I, but we're getting. I guess we're getting closer to having to ask that question. I don't know. I, I don't think either of their... To your point, I don't think the Predator's problem is the goaltending issue right now. Uh, all right. Let me do something that I normally don't want to do, but I want to, I want to hear your thoughts quickly here with nine games in. Power rankings in the Central Division. Who's the best team? Tampa. I agree. Second best team. Dallas. I kind of agree. Because goaltending for Carolina? Meh. Right. Okay, who's number three? Florida. You're buying that? All those wins over Chicago and Detroit? You're buying that? Hey, they're the only team right now without a, in the league without a regulation loss, so I'll give it to them. I'm not, I'm not ready to do that yet. Fair. I'll go Carolina at three. Okay. Who's number four? Well, if I have Florida at three, I'll have Carolina at four. Okay. I will go Florida at four. Okay. Who's number five? Columbus. Even though they lost twice to Nashville. Patrick Laine is making his debut on we're mm. recording this ten, on Tuesday. He's making his debut tonight. I think they got a whole lot better. I'll it, give him the benefit of the doubt. I tell you what's interesting is watching the Pierre-Luc Dubois international travel saga take place with Winnipeg. That's fascinating. Yes. Like, hey, guys, can I get a waiver here to play? Nope. <laughs> Stay in your hotel room. <laughs> Justin Trudeau is like, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, all right, so Nashville at six? Yes. Mm. Chicago at seven, Detroit at eight. Mm. All right, we'll see where they're at next week. We'll see where they're at next week. All right, Borough Cop, your feature on Mark Borowiecki on The Athletic. I recommend go re- going to read it. He is, the more and more you read about this guy, the more and more you're around him, and the more and more you get to know him, the more and more you love him. <laughs> Every, <laughs> everything about the guy, um, just like he, reading the quotes that he gave you in the story about just how he was raised, you know, being a, becoming a father and doing this, some of these random stories that just make, like, you just have to kind of be a guy that's in the right place at the right time with the right frame of mind and the right, I, I don't know what to call it, moral compass. I don't know. Yeah, I think to, that's fair. But to like be, to do some of the things that he's done, we know about the, the story where he stopped the robbery. I did not know about the story where he like befriended someone who was attacked during a protest in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not know that story, which you, you lead with in the, in, in your article about Borowiecki. Uh Basically, Burrow Cop is a way of life, and uh, I love everything about it. I'm not going to lie, dude. Yeah, he's – you know what? I, I heard so many good things about him uh, when he signed here. Um, people in Ottawa absolutely love him. I mean, it helps that he's from there. He, like, he grew up in, in Ottawa. Um, so people there loved him. Um, and I think it was Matt Duchesne who said before the game yesterday that, you know, there's not one negative thing he can say about the guy. And he's, you know, perhaps the best, one of the best people he's ever met playing the game of hockey. Um, it's pretty high praise. It is. I mean, he, I think he was the right kind of player for this team at this time, um, in terms of what he can bring, um, in terms of his work ethic, his toughness, um, being a sounding board for the other leaders on the, for the established leaders on the team. Um, but this is just sort of always who, always who he, this is always who he has been like sort of the point I was making in the story is that, that, that viral moment where he stopped the, the robbery, you know, brought the borough cop nickname into the you know general population uh, for those who may not have been fans of the senators, but like, that's sort of just sort of 
how he, you know, he even considered being a police officer post hockey. <laughs> right, right. Um, when he was in the AHL and didn't know if he was going to have a right. NHL career, he considered right? becoming a police officer. Yeah. He also considered enlisting in the military. Um, he, he's a fascinating dude, man. Yeah, he's a. He, I, I really enjoyed getting to know him. I know it's a bit different now um, because we can't be in the dressing room, but as best you can, as best you can. He's a. He's a good dude. I, you know, I, you know, I know a lot of Predators fans probably weren't keen on reading such a feel-good story after their team got shellacked. Um, but you know, why maybe that's what want, we needed right now. Right? Why do you want to read negative stories all the time? <laughs> it's not good for your soul, man. No, it's, it's not, not good for the uh, like the you know the, the the endorphins in the brain when you're reading social media. You need something positive to kickstart some of the positive endorphins. Uh, listen, I think he's. I find him what I find fascinating about him, and just as another. You know, indication that humans are very complicated. That he is his on ice persona, you know, willing to defend anybody, gonna fight, very physical, one of the hardest hitters in the league. You know, this guy who just grinds and works and will just pummel you is just this really sweet dude off the ice. And I think that's a, I just think that's really interesting that there's not many sports. Like, I don't think that's the case with, with football as much as you think. I think with hockey, there, there's more of those guys, but. That's a you gross often, generalization. You'll often hear that enforcers in the in the old days were the the, the nicest people. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you've you've had the pleasure of interacting with Stu Grimson, for example. I mean, Stu is he's a thinking thinking man's. He's an incredibly old. intelligent man. He's also very very nice, but yes. he beat the shit out of a lot of people. He, I, <laughs> I will say, um, he, but but like most hockey players, though, they don't lose their sense of humor. They they don't miss no. a chance to ball bust. That that's for sure. But he is, if you want to talk like philosophy and post life, post hockey life philosophy, Stu Grimson's a, he's a thinking man, thinking man's goon. Yes. <laughs> Just, and that's know. said in the most loving way. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I agree. Anyway, go read the story, pay for good journalism, subscribe to the athletic and check out Burrow cop. Um, of course the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers, but before we go, I have a question for you. Sure. Because Jaspers is our title sponsor and they've got this really kick-ass, game day party pack that you can go order and have basically a party delivered to you in a box for the big game on Sunday between Tampa Bay and whoever else they're playing. Kansas, Kansas City. City. I'm kind of underwhelmed, but I'm a Packers fan, so I'm pissed off a little bit still. Um, my question is, and you said this about the Nashville Predators, I believe on Twitter. Do you want to read? Do you, do you want to? I don't have it in front paraphrase of me. here. I said that the... Because they're terrible in the I first said, and second period. I said that the, <laughs> I said that the Predators are that party guest who shows up three hours late and then won't leave or take the hint when you're trying to get them out the door. So let's pretend that we're all having huge Super Bowl parties this weekend. Okay? Okay. Let's just pretend. We're all going to have tons of big parties. People are all coming over, and we're all going to have all of our friends to watch the game. How do you get people to leave your house? What What is the go-to signal? I mean, you can clean dishes. You start putting food away. Farting. Have you, have you ever actually tried that one? I haven't hosted very many parties, so I can't say. But it seems like, hey, if I need to leave, I'm just going to start passing gas, which is what I do when no one else is around. So so if you're hosting a big Super Bowl party and, and you start you just, farting and you just start ripping ass, I know it's time for me to go home. Right. <laughs> I start. I put on so my one way to do I, it. I change. I get out of my clothes. You know, I put on my pajamas. That see, that's I feel like that's a more subtle approach yeah. is to just go put on the pajama pants. <laughs> And just walk back into the kitchen and start cleaning. Yes. And see who picks up the hint. That is one way to do it. Yeah. I think that's a smarter Probably solution better than, than the farting. farting. Yeah. 
That's just my suggestion. Jasper's on West End, of course. Don't Please. fart at Jasper's. Yeah, don't fart in Jasper's. It, you know, listen, I know it's 9,000 square feet and you can socially distance very easily there. And there's a ton of good places to sit and eat, eat great food and, and watch the game. But no, no, no ripping ass at Jasper's. Jasper's, no farting. <laughs> Come to Jasper's. No flatulence allowed. Don't rip Jas. <laughs> That's dope. Sorry. That was Sorry, terrible. Jasper's. The next evolution of the sports bar. Basically, a great place to watch the game and drink the gold standard cocktail without farting. With, without farting and tremendous food. Just really, really kick ass food. Check out the game day party pack, of course, as well. We do appreciate that. The gold standard cocktail while you're there. Go watch hockey games there as well. Um, so, we do appreciate Jasper's. Check them out all over the place. Great menu, great place to hang. So, for Adam Vingan, pay for good journalism. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Vingan. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week here on the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.